Hello, next Amazon top sellers. In this episode, we have 24-year-old six-figure Amazon seller Anthony Bodanza joining me on the show. Anthony started his Amazon business in August 2020 and quit his 9-to-5 job less than three months later. Now he's traveling all around the country with his wife seeing the most beautiful scenery you can imagine, enjoying his outdoor life while running his Amazon business 100% remotely. Anthony has an extremely high buy box win percentage of over 37% using solely the BeQuote AI repricer. So how did he do it? And how does he find 100% ROI products to sell? Check it out in our great chat with Anthony while he's on the road. Welcome to the next Amazon Top Seller Podcast. Stay updated with the latest Amazon news and learn the nitty-gritty of selling on Amazon through BeQuote's ears of expertise in the Amazon world. I'm Samuel, and I am the host of this podcast, brought to you by the fantastic Amazon experts in BeQuote. Let's start our journey to become the next Amazon top seller. Hello, next Amazon top sellers. Today, I have a special guest. His name is called Anthony Bodanza. And he's a YouTuber by the same name. You can find him on YouTube. He's a six-figure Amazon seller. And he's burned 2,575 calories by walking 20-point miles in just one day. But what's more impressive is he is living the nomadic lifestyle. He's traveling, living his dream while selling on Amazon. And he has an extremely high buy box win percentage of over 37%. He sells in multiple different categories and he uses the Be Cool AI repricing rule solely. So let's welcome Anthony to our show. Oh, thank you, thank you. Anthony, why don't we start talking about you? Like, how did you get started in your Amazon business? Sure, yeah, it's, it's a longer story that I can make pretty short, but I have always wanted to do work for myself. Ever since like I was a kid, for a summer camp that I wanted to go to, I would drive around with a little wagon behind me and sell candy bars door to door just to try to like fundraise enough to be able to go to camp. So I was never, I was never averse to working for myself and trying to do those type of things. And so that led into high school, me being into soccer myself and realizing that I can find really cheap soccer shoes at stores like Burlington and Marshall's, not only for myself, but that I could resell on eBay. So I started doing that for a while. And then I went to college and the real world kind of hit because I got married real fast out of college and we needed obviously to make enough money to survive. So I started working at a couple normal nine to five jobs. Uh, one was renting cars with a company and I moved up pretty quick there and was an assistant manager working like a lot of hours. I was working 55 hours a week, not enjoying it. Having started my YouTube channel a little bit and really wanting to only work for myself because I don't want to have a boss. I don't want to have anybody tell me what I need to do. And so I actually left that job to take a lower paying job and only work 40 hours a week so I could spend more time working on my YouTube channel and trying to work for myself. And that was kind of a toxic work environment. So I was like, you know, I just got to find a way to quit my job. And I'd heard about Amazon FBA because I'd done some eBay stuff. And I decided I would give it a try because I had a little bit of money and some credit cards that I wouldn't have to pay any interest on if I started using them for the business. And I bought my first products. I was actually just looking at it today. August 27th of 2020 is when I bought my first retail arbitrage products. And then my first sale was September 3rd. And I quit my job by November 8th. So I could really focus on working for myself and building up my businesses. It's been slow, but I've been able to do it with complete freedom for myself. I don't make a ton of money, but I make enough to survive and be completely free for a year and a half now. 
what was that first product that you sold for retail arbitrage? Yeah, here I can. I'll show you. I have a picture of the very first product that I sold. Let me let me pull it up on my phone real quick. But I bought it at Walmart on one of my lunch breaks, working at my bank job. And I came back from the bank to came back to the bank that day, having spent 160 bucks at Walmart, and thinking I'm going to make more from this 30 minutes at this Walmart than I am my whole day working at the bank. So I took a, I took a picture of that. But once I sold my product, I have to scroll back a ways in my phone. But it was a fishing product. And I'm sure we'll get into some questions about why I chose fishing, but that'll be something to talk about. That'll be something to talk about in a couple minutes. Let me find this real quick here. It is. So my first sale was, yeah, when they were still doing COVID-19 related announcements, but it's $13.10. And it was for a magic bait trot line. So something for catfishing. I think I bought this for $2 on clearance at Walmart, sold it for 13. So I think I made about three to $5 profit and I was just stoked. It was my first product about seven days after I first sourced it. So it was awesome. That's amazing. Like, you know, being at the bank, knowing in your mindset that you're going to be making more money selling this in the whole day and then leaving, you know, that job in just one or two months. So you actually, you know, had a test yeah. period, like you tested it out to mm -hmm. see if this, you know, business model is going to work for you. And then you went ahead. You didn't have all the answers, but you still went ahead. So mm -hmm. can you help us understand, like, why did you start your Amazon business? Yeah, the main thing, kind of as I was explaining through my whole story, was I wanted something that would buy myself the time to do what I wanted to do, both business-wise as well as in life. Right now, we're probably going to end this more, but I live in a van. And this is something that we wouldn't have been able to do if I... Actually, it became more possible now because everyone's remote. But at the time, since it was like, we were thinking about it in 2019, just before the pandemic started, it was only going to be possible if I worked for myself. And so I knew that I wanted to buy my time freedom to make all that happen. And testing that out in the very beginning on Amazon, realizing that since I knew how little money I needed to make to survive, I could find a way to reverse engineer those numbers into the top line Amazon sales amount. And then knowing that as long as I can sell that much, I would be able to live I was able to buy myself a lot of time and I, I do not work a lot in my Amazon business and I never have. It's always been something that is not, it doesn't take me a lot of hours and it doesn't make me a ton of money because I'm not putting a lot of hours into it, but it makes me enough that it funds the rest of my life and the dreams and what I want to do. That's amazing because I just read a book recently about a Liberian who went to the United States and he started a hedge fund. He wanted to be his own boss. So he had the time that he could spend with his family. So, I mean, mm -hmm. like, you know, getting, buying back the time, that's really valuable because once the time yeah. is gone, like it doesn't come back and then you're spending the exactly. time on the things that you like to do. So my understanding mm -hmm. is you've been traveling throughout the U United yeah. States. Like how mm -hmm. long have you been doing that for? Yeah, we moved into, so we bought our van early last year, 2021, and we didn't do a lot of stuff with it for a while. And then we built it out real fast. I actually took two months off of all business. I didn't work for almost two months at all because I built out this van completely. Um, I could show, I could, here, let me turn it around real quick to show you our van that we built out. So here, I'll turn off my light, but we have upper cabinets. We got a bed back there with my wife, lower cabinets, fridge, everything. So we have so so I had to build all of that and that took way too much time because we moved up our timeline a little bit and we've been traveling since September 15th, 2021. So it's been almost five months now. It's kind of crazy how fast it's gone. We started in Florida, went straight up the East coast, went all the way down the East coast, back to Florida for Christmas time, and then did a big circle up to like Tennessee, Southern Illinois, Kansas. And now we just made a straight line down through Texas 
And now we're almost into the southwest of New Mexico and Arizona. So been a lot of travel. Wait, you custom built your van like by yourself? Yep. Yeah. So everything, like it's the way how you designed it. Like, you know, the beds are where they yeah. are. Like you have your kitchen in there as well. Oh, well, that's, that's, yeah. that's impressive. So for all the trip that you've been going, as you said, you, you mm-hmm. were in, originally in Florida, then you went to Georgia, then you went over to Maine and then Cleveland and Tennessee and all yeah. over the place. What is the most amazing scene that you've seen so far? Yeah, just, just for our audience. So they yeah. know what the dream looks like. I think we've done, there's been so many cool things. And just because we've been able to pop in and out of places, I've been able to see more probably these past five months than I have traveling for a lot of my life. And I've traveled a decent bit. It's just interesting when it's your whole lifestyle. But I think, honestly, the most beautiful scenes that we've seen came in the past two weeks, maybe the last week, because we were in Big Bend National Park, which is on the southwest part of Texas. And it borders Mexico. So we, it was right on the Rio Grande. And we were there for a while, did a lot of like mountain hikes. And then we also went across the border to Mexico and spent some time in the city there. And then there was hot springs on the Rio Grande. But I think the most beautiful like scenery was there's a drive between the national park. And then if you go west about 50 miles, there's the state park, Big Bend Ranch. And that drive is ranked top 10 drives in the world because you're just in the middle of a canyon between two mountains on the Rio Grande while you just drive for 55 miles. I didn't think it'd get prettier than drives that we'd already done, but that was the best drive that we've ever taken. Did you get some footage of that? Like where, where could we find that? Yeah. So we have, yeah, we definitely have some footage. I also have, we also have a, a YouTube channel and an Instagram. The Instagram is more active right now, but it's kind of my last name. It's D and then B D N Z A S. So the Bedanza is just without all the inner old vowels. So many people are a bit scared to start their Amazon business. What would you say to somebody in that situation? And what would your suggestion be? Yeah, my suggestion is actually more, it's, it's, my suggestions changed a little bit over the past couple of weeks. I've been talking more with my wife and like doing some, trying to think a little bit bigger than just being in the weeds of my business. And it can be really hard to want to start, but kind of the motivation for that is if you start something, it's so much easier to have it move in the right direction because it's already moving. Like once you get a ball rolling, you can kind of squat it to one side or the other, and it's going to continue to roll just in a new direction. It's so much harder to actually get that ball rolling. And one of the ways that my wife has been talking to me because she's a runner, she runs a lot. And there's some days like you're just tired. You don't want to run. And so what she tells herself is I'm going to put on my running clothes. I don't have to run, but I'm going to put on my running clothes. And if, if then I don't want to run, then I, I won't run. And so Every time that she puts on the running clothes, though, she realized, hey, this is something that I enjoy. This makes me feel better. I'm getting fitter. Like, this is, these are the goals that I want in life. And so once she puts the running clothes on and, like, kind of gets in that space, she'll, she'll always go and run. She hasn't missed a run. She's so disciplined. I am not. I need to work on that. But in the Amazon world, when it comes to that, if you're just wanting to get started, you can start with the free Amazon plan. It's not technically free, but the individual seller plan on Amazon, you don't pay anything up front. You pay a dollar for every time you sell something. So if you get that individual plan and then you download the app on your phone, you don't have to pay anything unless you sell an item and you don't have to sell an item. So if you download that and then you go to a store or you go online and you start looking for products, at least getting in that space, not even necessarily doing it, you'll probably find some opportunities. Or if it's not right for you, you'll find out that you don't like it and then you'll move on to a new opportunity, having tested it out more fully and not trying at all. It's kind of like testing out with minimum cost at the start. You're talking about using an individual plan, you know, just that costs just a dollar when you sell the product out. And you can probably start out with doing like FBM, like uh, you could ship the products in to customers yourself at the start and then see if you could scale up from there. 
And then I love your analogy of your wife, like uh, putting on the running clothes. So what kind of products does your Amazon store sell? Yeah. So because of my business model, which some of you might be aware of, some of you might not, it's called retail arbitrage is how I've sold everything so far. So I'm going into physical stores. Like right now you can probably behind me, you can see that Ross logo right there. That's one of the stores that I would sell. I'm in a van and we sleep at Walmart. So I'm in a Walmart parking lot. So I go to a lot of Walmarts, but I'll go into the stores and scan products to see if they're selling on Amazon, normally two to three times as much as they're selling for in a store, you can make a decent profit on it. And so that's my business model. And essentially I'll sell anything that I can find that I'm able to sell that has a good enough sales rank or sales velocity. So it's selling fast, which means that I'll probably get some buy box rotation and I'll be able to sell my products. But I not really, I don't really limit what I sell except I limit how much money I have. I don't have infinite money to sell. And so I start in specific categories or areas that I'm already interested in. And then if I find something there and and if I'm able to spend all my money there, then great. If I'm not able to spend all my money, then I'll go to a different section and and try that out. And the best way for getting started, I'm not sure if this is one of your questions and we could save it for later if it is, but the best way that I found to get started sourcing where, like finding out where to source is starting with products that you're already interested in. Like the reason that I'm sure like, you know, my main category so far has been sports and outdoors category. And that's not a category that a lot of people will say to start out in, but that's what I was interested in. That's why the first thing that I sold was a fishing thing because I was already interested in fishing. So I went over to that section naturally because that's what I would look at myself. And because I had some knowledge, hey, this lure looks like it could be worth maybe two times as much as they're selling it for here at Walmart, or it's on clearance. And I'm already interested in looking at it anyways. I'm more willing to pick those items up and scan them because it's not like some beauty product that I didn't have any personal experience or interest in. I was already interested in it. And so I'll go shop for myself. Like it would be for myself and the fact that I'm looking at the products that I like, but it would actually be to make money on Amazon, which is how I sold. I think 65% of the first hundred thousand that I did on Amazon was sports and outdoors just because I was already interested in it. For sports and outdoors though, because I, I noticed that yeah. you wear a lot of Nike shirts in all your videos. Like, <laughs> do you, I mean, do you need to get ungated? Like how, how does it work? Yeah, in a, in a lot of the subcategories or sub or the different brands, you will have to get ungated. I wasn't gated in any fishing things. Well, some brands I was still gated in, but the more I sold of them, the more I would automatically get ungated because as Amazon sees that you're selling some fishing products and brands that you're already allowed to sell. If I look at another fishing product that I'm st- that I'm gated in right now, but I've sold $10,000 of fishing products with zero customer complaints, they might be more likely to let me sell different fishing products. Whereas if I'm trying to get engaged in a grocery category that I've never sold anything, they might still have that gate for me. But if you're talking about Nike and Adidas, the big brands, personally, I still am gated in those. I haven't ungated in them. That's something I'm planning on doing this year by going through the main channel, which is getting an invoice from a distributor of at least 10 units of one of those products, and then getting that shipped into Amazon. And then they'll engage you that way with a proper invoice. But starting out, if you don't want to go that route or you don't have the capital to go through that route, it'll probably be slower for you. You won't find as many good products because you're limited in the amount of products in a store that you can actually scan and realistically send into Amazon. But it'll be better, but you won't have to spend the money, to, but you won't have to spend the money to get ungated in it. And there are still going to be enough products for you to find while you continue to get auto-ungated, which is what I did for the first for the first ever. I've never applied to get ungated in anything so far using invoices. And I've gotten ungated in some bigger brands like Under Armour. I sell a lot of Columbia Sports and Outdoors. I sell a decent amount of. So you can get ungated in these bigger brands. It just takes a lot longer and it's much more based on luck. How do you avoid like severe competition? Like when you're sourcing? Mm -hmm. A lot of that comes down to looking at the sales rank or the keep a chart and seeing how often something will sell. 
on Amazon, unless Amazon is on the listing or the brand specifically, I would never, I don't sell anything that I think the brand is on the listing on because that is kind of a recipe for an IP complaint, which is even worse than like harsh competition. Harsh competition, you just sell out at a loss. You don't worry about it. IP complaints can get your account shut down if you get too many of them. So I try to always stay away from items where the brand is selling. But if Amazon is on the listing and they're at a really good profit margin, that's when I might take those risks. It all depends on how often something sells and what the profit margin looks like. My personal rules for, for buying stuff for Amazon is I'm trying to make 100% return on investment when I buy it. I know that normally after I ship it in, because of stuff that doesn't sell or prices dropping because other people found the same inventory, I'll normally make 60 to 80% of what I think I'm going to make after all the fees are said and done in about the first month, month and a half. But when I'm thinking about competition, if it's something that sells a lot, I'm willing to go down to like 50% return on investment just because I know that it'll sell. And even if there is a lot of competition, but the sales rank is super low, you'll probably get some of that buy box rotation. And that's where having something like a Be Cool is really instrumental because you're able to constantly be repricing. I never have to think about my prices because it's always being repriced for me to match what the buy box should be, which is why, like you said, my buy box percentage is pretty high. How are you able to get yeah. such a high buy box win percentage? 37 to 42%, that's, that's off the chart. <laughs> like, yeah. how are you able to get such a high buy box win percentage? I think the reason I'm able to do that is I'm pretty comfortable selling things that I might, is because I'm pretty comfortable selling things just to get my money back, even if I'm losing a little bit of profit on it personally. That just comes down to the fact that I want to flip through products faster because the longer I have to sit on a product, the longer I'm missing on an opportunity cost. And the main way that I like to think about that is normally if I ship something into Amazon in about a month, I can get my money back out of that product because it takes a while for Amazon to process everything for the sale to get your reserve balance to come through. And so that's one month from when I ship something in. If I wait an extra month, so if I sell something and I make 50% on it, but I could have waited maybe an extra month and made 60 to 65% on it then that 15% isn't really worth it for me because in that next month, I'll have already bought another product at 50% and sold it at 50%. Even though I'm making less ROI on each product, even though I'm making less ROI on each product, I'm making a greater return on investment overall because I'm flipping the inventory over faster and faster and having so a better buy box percentage by having a really kind of aggressive rules normally is helpful for me. So the rules a lot of times give me that better buy box percentage because most of my rules are the AI, either equalizer, booster, or maximizer for sales. I don't really do the profit maximizer or booster yet. That's something that I'm interested in changing here soon if I do build up a little bit extra capital and I'm not able to spend it as fast. But right now, I'm just trying to flip through things as fast as I can. And I've been more than happy with how it's been. So your strategy is to get as much turnover as you can. And yes. like you said, it makes much more sense. If you keep turning over the product, you're getting a return for that product instead of having to you know, keep it longer for you know, longer than a month. Uh, is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, definitely. The longer you have to keep something, the more likely you might, the price might go back up, but more often than not, I've found that it either stays the same or even more people get on the listing and it'll go down. What kind of ROI do you suggest people to set for their min price? Like, uh, like if they're starting out, if they just source a product, what kind of ROI should they expect? Because you said that, you're looking for at least like a hundred percent. What about for their min price when people set it? Like what, what do you suggest them to do? Yeah, that's a great question. For when I'm looking at the rules, when I'm buying inventory, when you when you make that purchase, when you swipe your credit card, you give someone cash, I would never, I always use credit cards, so I don't, that'll go into cash. But when you're making that purchase, that's when you're going to make your money because you buying that product, 
at whatever price you bought it is going to determine a lot about how you end up selling that product. And when I'm looking for products, I'm looking for 100% ROI, but they normally fall within the 50 to 100% range. And because I'm comfortable selling around 50%, that's normally where I'll set my minimum. So I have a rule. So normally what I'll do actually is after everything gets shipped in and my inventory lab catches up with Be Cool, I'll go in and bulk all my new listings that don't have minimum, maximum, and rule. I'll normally put on AI Equalizer at a 50% minimum return on investment. And that's how I'll make all my rules. And then I can go back in and tweak that minimum pricing if something... I can go back in and first tweak the rule to be a little bit more aggressive if it's not selling to a booster or a maximizer for the sales. Or, and then if it's still not selling, I'm comfortable after about a month, two, three months to drop my ROI down to anywhere from zero to 15% just to get my money back out of it so I can go buy something that will be profitable instead of just waiting on the price to come back up. How has Bequil helped your business since you start using it? Yeah, for sure. I think the main, I think the main way that Bequil has helped me with my business is kind of I think the main way Bequil's helped me with my business goes back to what we were first talking about, about why I got into Amazon. And it was to buy back my time. I don't want to have to spend a lot of time managing my business. And I was really frustrated with the repricer that I had initially because it would just race to the bottom. And I would constantly be having to worry about my pricing because I would constantly be having to worry about my pricing because I was worried that my price would always just drop to the bottom. And I was losing out on a lot of profit because of that. But not only I was losing on a profit, I was having to spend more time in my business worrying about managing my pricing. And so finding Be Cool is really helpful because I now have rules that I can just kind of set and forget about it. And I've actually recently also started auto setting all of my rules. So I don't even have to touch it once my inventory gets shipped in. Be Cool will just automatically create a minimum, maximum, and rule based on things that I preset in the software. So I don't worry about my pricing almost at all unless I have really old products that I just need to get rid of. And so it's made it so that I only really have to work my business about 10 to 15 hours every week. And oftentimes not even that much so that I could focus on living in the van and enjoying my life as well as my YouTube channel, which are the main things that I got Amazon to do. So it's been really helpful with that. So how much time do you think it saved you? <sighs> That's hard because I've, I've been with it now for a while. So I haven't really thought about not having it. I think in terms of stress level, it saved me so much because I used to stress about pricing a lot. I would always be worried that I would send something in because it was so much harder to set minimum and maximum prices and everything. And you couldn't really set it based on product unless you made a specific rule for every single product on the old repricer that I had. I was so worried that everything would just race to the bottom, especially if I found a product that had a great ROI, but maybe there were some FBM sellers who were a little bit lower on the prices, even though the FBA seller always had the buy box, it would just kind of, it would kind of race to the bottom no matter what. And so not having to worry about that at all, because I have those minimum prices has made my life really easy. And it's made sure that I've made more money on every item. So in terms of hours, it's hard to say, but I'd probably say at least three to five every week. And in terms of stress, probably closer to five to 10. Why did you start using Bequil? Like what did you use before? And then why, why did you start using Bequil? Yeah, I used another kind of more basic repricer, which can be good for some beginners, but honestly, I wouldn't recommend it because the plans that Equal has that are in the lower tiers are pretty comparable to the plans that the other repricer called Reprice It has, except with Equal, you have pretty much all the features except for some of the AI repricing unless you get the, the higher tier plans. And so you have a lot more flexibility with how you reprice with Equal. And the main reason that I got it is kind of making sure that I'm not losing a lot of money while still saving a lot of time. Because I knew reprices would save me would save me time. I was definitely saving time having my other repricer versus just repricing everything myself because I had like two to 500 SKUs because I bought a vast variety of different products. 
But now I don't have to worry about adding a lot of extra time and I can make sure I'm making more money because I have those minimum set on every single product based on my purchase price. I think one of the big factors for me as well in choosing Cool was the fact that it had an inventory lab integration because inventory lab is such a good tool when I'm buying stuff as well as listing it. And then to not have to worry about putting a price into another software and have it just kind of commingle itself was so nice for me. For you though, like how many listings did yeah. you have before you start using a repricer in general? And, and what do you recommend for the audience? Yeah, I think it was, I started pretty fast. My first week of sales, I think I did around $1,000, maybe maybe five to $700. And that was selling probably about 20 to 40% of what I just shipped in. And I was like, okay, this is viable. I want to leave my job really fast. So I kind of went all in. And so within the first two weeks, I had pretty much all the softwares built out that I really needed. Um, but I also had sent in probably three or four shipments at that point and had close to one to hundred, hundred to hundred and had close to hundred to 150 SKUs. I would say if you're new, I would get the repricer when you feel like it's taking either too much of your time to reprice everything, or if you have a little bit of extra money and you don't want to have to spend that time, I would definitely do that. And so those are kind of the two areas that I would recommend getting the repricer. I don't necessarily have a specific SKU limit, but geez, anything over 30 to 40, I would think you probably want a repricer because you're probably missing out on some profits at that point. Has the repricer, like the investment you put in the right repricer, has it come back? Like, is it profitable to have a repricer? Yeah, I'd say the, yeah, I would say for me already having a catalog on Amazon when I got Be Cool, the first day that I put it on, the first week that I put it on and started doing those AI repricing rules, I sold out a lot of older inventory that wasn't selling before because of how it was tweaking a lot of the listings to make sure that I got those sales. So even just selling that old dead inventory probably paid for a couple months of Be Cool right in those first couple of weeks. And then now making sure that I am getting those higher prices because I can have specific rules for each listing that are based on the price that I paid for the item and the minimum and maximums that I set. I'd say that the repricer definitely does pay for itself. Personally, I wouldn't recommend anything that I didn't think would pay for itself when you're running a business because your goal is to make money. So having Be Cool and me recommending Be Cool, I think is a testament that I definitely think that it pays for itself. And if it doesn't, then you shouldn't have it because you're probably not ready to have a repricer because you're not selling enough of that. What other tools do you use that you recommend people mm-hmm. to use as well? Yeah, if you're doing more of a retail side of things, one of the physical tools would probably be a scanner. I think I have one here. I keep mine right in the front of my van since I'm always traveling that way. If I'm ever going into a store, I can grab it. So having just a Bluetooth scanner, any Bluetooth scanner is super helpful. And then the other softwares that I have that we've already talked about, Be Cool, Inventory Lab, I use their app as well to source everything. And then Keepa is really essential. I used Scout IQ for the longest time, which was made initially for booksellers, but I used it because it had a Keepa integration that had some of their API that just gave you the sales, um, like the sales chart. It didn't give you the price history or anything, but for about five to $10 more every month, you can get the full Keepa and integrate it with Scoutify 2, which is run through Inventory Lab. So I have just done that. And it, I think it's going to save me a lot of time. That's fantastic. We're um, close strategic partners with Inventory Lab. Yeah. So it's great that you're using them and promoting them as well. And if you could go back in time and tell your 18-year-old self something, what would that be? Yeah, I think the main thing that I would tell myself back then or anybody who's 18 or even older is that it's probably going to be, take a little bit more consistency than you think to get to the places that you want to go. Specifically thinking about like business and personal finance things, especially being 18. I remember back then, I did not really have a good 
knowledge or foresight about what the future would look like. Not even just like, oh, what am I, what is my life going to look like? But like tangibly, what does one or two years from now actually feel like? Because it's not as long as I would have thought back then. And there were some projects that I had started that if I would have continued with them, I think would be really successful right now. But because it didn't work after three or four tries, after like maybe two months, I was like, I've tried this forever. I got to be done. So really having an attitude that things that are worth it are probably going to take a little bit of time. Obviously, understanding that pouring a lot of money into something isn't necessarily the best if it's not giving you a reward. But putting a little bit more of your time, especially if you didn't have a lot of money, like I didn't have a lot of money, will definitely be good for you. So sticking to it, being consistent with something and being consistent with something, not for two weeks and thinking you're consistent, but consistency over one quarter, six months or a 12 month period. And you'll look back over that time and see how much has changed. And I kind of, I kind of kick myself for not sticking with some business opportunities that like they were budding, like they were good ish, like, but they turn out because I wasn't consistent. I stopped after two or three months because it didn't make me how much money I thought I needed to make at that point. That's really good advice. Like you do something consistent and then test it for a set period of time and it just, just not very quickly. And then you have the consistency. So if someone is starting an Amazon business right yeah. now and it's quite saturated, uh, there's 2.5 million sellers, what would you advise them right now? My advice would be similar to the consistency piece. Like it is going to take some consistency, but this isn't going to be in terms of your output. It's more going to be in terms of your input in your business. So especially if it's very saturated, that means that a lot of prices drop because if you ever looked at a keep a chart as the amount of new sellers on the listing increase, the price gradually decreases because it's just, that's just the supply and demand chart. It's just got different names because it's all Amazon specific. So if you're specifically doing online or retail arbitrage, it's going to take a lot more consistency of you sourcing like scanning more products or doing more searches. And if you're like using tactical arbitrage, like that, it's going to take a lot more in-depth work to get started and find those first products, especially if you're just getting started because you don't even really know what to look for. Whereas someone who's maybe been doing it for six months or 12 months will realize they don't have to scan that product because they've seen that brand before and they've scanned three different items from that brand and none of them have been on Amazon. So they're not going to scan that brand anymore. Whereas that brand over there, they definitely know that it will have some listings, half of them are profitable, half of them aren't. So they're going to scan every single one of that brand's listings just to see if they'll find it. So I, my biggest advice always for people starting out, especially when they say, Hey, I can't find anything. And they're in like a generally bigger city. I'm like, just pick an aisle, any aisle and scan every single product. Like don't miss any, any product. Like the only reason that you'd miss it is like, if Amazon says you're restricted from selling that brand, like maybe skip that, but scan every single product. Because you'll either find profitable products and nine times out of 10, you'll probably find at least one thing that's profitable. That's like 50 to 100% ROI. But more importantly, you'll learn so much about what sourcing for Amazon looks like experientially. Because there are things that you're just going to learn from experience that you'll never learn from watching somebody do it or listening to somebody talk about it. So Anthony, you've been traveling and I've seen, you know, in some places you guys are in the van, it's cold. So what yeah, keeps right. you up at night? Not normally the cold, luckily. We have a portable heater, so that's helpful. Um, sometimes it's noise because we're in parking lots a lot. But if we're talking emotionally, the thing that most keep me, keeps me up at night, at least recently, is uh, has been IP claims. I've luckily gotten, been able to beat a couple IP claims here recently, which has been really nice. But selling on Amazon, and specifically, actually, this is the thing that keeps me up because of the IP claims. That's kind of the surface level worry. It's like, oh no, I got IP claims a little bit deeper. My Amazon account might get deleted. A little bit deeper than that is, I still have a little bit of inventory debt on some credit cards. They're all at 0% interest. I'm not 
paying any interest on anything. And it's very manageable. I've been, I've had it for 15 months, never paid any interest because of how I use credit cards and that that amount is going down. But having even just that little bit of debt, knowing that my Amazon account might stop was a little bit of something that keeps me up at night. And so that's one of the main things that I'm focusing on this year is getting to a point where I'm paying for inventory out of cash that I have still using credit cards because I want the points. I get a lot, of, I get a lot of points on credit cards, but paying for it using cash that I have that I've grown in my Amazon business. And the main reason that I do have that is because I've had to pay myself to continue to live just to make sure that we can live the life that we want to. And if I haven't had to pay myself, I wouldn't have had debt for probably a year to, to, to 14 months. But because I have to pay myself a salary because I got to live and eat, unfortunately, that's why I have a little bit of debt, which is I think the baseline. And that's something that I figured out when I was talking with my wife a lot about why this was so stressful for me. It wasn't because I just got some IP claims like, yeah, that's bad, but it's not the end of the world. It's kind of that my Amazon account was going to get deleted, but it was more so I don't want to have to pay any of this debt from any other business ventures. I want to make sure that I'm doing everything in a risk averse way. I understand. Yeah, that totally, that totally makes sense. So yeah. for, for the job, like which part yeah. of the Amazon job can you outsource? And then which part do you need to do yourself? And has that changed since you first started? I personally do everything myself, unless we're talking about like virtual outsourcing with softwares. You can do everything with just like the Amazon seller app and seller, seller central dashboard. But I personally never have sent in a shipment just like that, just because that's just so much work and time that you're going to have to spend that you wouldn't if you were to spend 100 to $150 a month on specific products. And then there are, almost all of these have free trials anyway. So if you don't know if it's going to work for you, almost everything has a 14 to 30 day free trial. And like, if you see, if you think you're ready for that product, don't just like buy it, get the free trial. Like, why would you not do that? But for outsourcing an Amazon business, there's really a couple things that you have to do on Amazon and you can really outsource everything and just manage it from the top if you want to. Personally, I wouldn't do that because I don't want to have to manage that many people. I like having the freedom of doing whatever I want without having to answer to anybody either above me as a boss or below me as an employee who's relying on me for responsibility. But sourcing products, you can outsource. You can have people who go into stores or search online or virtual assistants, shipping or preparing products. So getting them either sent to you and then hiring someone locally or a warehouse or something to like prepare the products, take the stickers off, put the new Amazon labels or getting a prep center, which is something that I'm diving into as I'm doing online arbitrage, buying stuff, not by going into Ross there, but going into actual stores and, or going online and then getting all that shipped to a prep center who for a fee will do all of my products for me and ship them into Amazon. And I won't ever have to touch any of those products at that point. And then repricing is something that I would probably first outsource because the other two things are really important, I think, to kind of get experiential knowledge and even repricing at the very beginning, because you'll be able to see how pricing works on Amazon so that you can manipulate the rules and whatever software probably be cool. Cause I think it's the best that you use in order to reprice for you. But getting, I'd say the first thing that you probably want to get is going to be like an inventory lab so that you don't have to list everything through Seller central because it's a little more difficult. And that also has something that helps you to source Scoutify too, because getting some of those apps makes your life way easier than just using the Amazon app. Then the second thing would probably be a repricer when you have 30 to 50 listings. And then last, you might want to do like a prep center. And this all, and the kind of tiers that you go up in terms of what you want to outsource will increase with how much money you're making in the business or how much money you just have to start the business out from. But doing those first couple of things, sourcing, prepping, shipping into Amazon and repricing, that'll really help you to understand how Amazon works so that you can be a better outsourcer about it and get the right things for you or the right people hired on your team. For you, you're so personally, how did you yeah. scale up? Because you must have started 
you said selling that first item, but then how did you scale up so that you're able to generate uh, income stream that allows you to travel around? I think for me, scaling was pretty much scaling to a point where I'm right out right now and I haven't really scaled past where I've been for about a year because I haven't wanted or needed to. I just wanted to subsist. I wanted to make how much I need to make and then be able to have the freedom to not have to work any more hours. And so for me, I think scaling is just putting more hours in and spending more money because it just comes down to like, you need to spend more money on Amazon in order to make more money. And that's how you'll sell more products because you buy more products and ship them in. But at the very beginning, I had to do those initial test buys and see if those were there for me. So I think it was right around three to $500 was my first shipment. And that was even taking on a tiny amount of debt, as well as having some of that money that I saved from eBay shoe selling and putting all that in there and like, and thinking, I think this is right, but if it's not right, I'm going to have to pay a little bit of this debt off. If it is right, it's going to change my life uh, because it's going to buy me that freedom or the time freedom that I want. And so luckily it did change my life. And so I was able to buy all that freedom and I scaled up to the point just by knowing my numbers, which is something that I preach all the time on my channel. I think it's the most important thing in any business is being good with money because you can make all the money in the world, but if you're like really bad at spending it or allocating it, you're not going to have anything. And someone who makes way less than you will either have more money or like more freedom in their life, which is why I feel like I have more freedom than a lot of people who might make three to five times as much as me on Amazon because I do exactly what I want to with all of my money. And all that came down to realizing how much top line sales I needed from Amazon. And then of those top line sales, how much gets paid out to me. So Amazon takes their fees right off the top. And normally they'll take about 40 to 45% in fees, maybe 45 to 50 and then from that payout amount, that 55%, how much of that is profit and how much of that is inventory by cost of stuff that I spent? Because you're going to have to pay off your inventory unless you just want to always be swimming in debt, which is not a good idea. And then after you pay off all the inventory from that little profit amount, you're going to have to pay yourself, pay taxes, like operate your business and all those other little things. And so me figuring out how much money I needed to take out of my month every or how much I, I need to take on my business every month, which is the part of that little profit number, helped me to figure out how much I need to pay in taxes. I knew what softwares I had, so how much I need to pay to operate my business and figuring out from that bottom line of this is how much profit I'm going to need to make, helped me to figure out how much I needed to get paid out from Amazon, which helped me to figure out how much I need to sell on Amazon, which is why I know that if I send in about $2,500 to $3,000 of potential profit every month, I'll be able to pull out $1,000 of just like, profit into my pocket while operating my business, saving for taxes, saving a little bit for the future and then putting a little bit of a way in like a bonus fund for ourselves. So figuring out those numbers was the most important thing for me, which is why I haven't skilled past the point where I'm at because I haven't needed to yet. But more recently, I found some ways that I don't have to add any time to my business that I will scale. So this month, I've actually pretty much doubled what, I'm, what I've done in the past. So that's pretty exciting, but I'm not, I don't talk about that too much because it's still pretty new for me. For our audience, like how much sales should you make before you incorporate your business or, or when should you incorporate your business or, or is it even needed? Yeah. It's not needed. The, the reasons that I would say to incorporate at the very beginning are either like one, you're really risk averse and like that just make, that makes you feel so good. Two, you have a lot of personal assets outside of the business that if anything happens on your Amazon business, you don't want them to be able to pierce the corporate bill. And like, if you just start off as a sole proprietorship, and you sell like one bad product or have one really bad customer or something happens and you get sued, like, and you have this massive independent wealth over here that can get sucked up by Amazon. So you definitely want to shield that with an LLC at the beginning. I don't have a personal like amount that you'd want to get incorporated. 
definitely if you're being able to pull out about forty to $60,000 in like actual take-home profit, because then you'll want to make sure that you're not paying so much in self-employment tax. But up until that point, I just kind of got to the point where my business could comfortably pay all the fees for that. And I felt like it was the right time to actually incorporate as a business. And so that actually turned out to be probably about three months into my selling on Amazon after I'd sold about $25,000 or $30,000. Understood. If you could have a superpower, any superpower, what would it be? Hmm. That's hard. There's a lot of good ones. I kind of want to say one of the physical ones, like invisibility or something or super strength or being able to fly. Actually, I think it'd be fly. I would want to fly. That'd be sweet. Oh, there's those jet packs. Like you can, you can purchase all, uh, that, that works, but I don't know if they're legal yet. It's uh, in between. And then there's also flying cars now as well. So that's, uh, that's doable. Yeah, maybe 20 years down the road, that's possible. Yeah. And then recently you shared 24 lessons. What are the top three lessons that you would mm. like to share for our audience? That's good. Yeah. And so for that, I turned 24. So I wanted to share like some parts of my life as well as 24 lessons that I learned that kind of got me to where I was free of a nine to five, as well as working for myself and really pursuing my dreams how I want. I think the top three lessons, that's tough. There's some good ones. I'm going to pull up my phone real quick to figure them out. I'm going to figure out the second two because I know what the first one is. The first one has to do with someone who's constantly questioning things because I get all the time so many questions. And I say, sometimes you just need to start doing something, but not with a lot of risk. Like you can just start kind of like we talked about earlier where you just download the app and start to look for products, but you'll learn really quick. You'll learn really fast that you have kind of three categories of questions. One category of questions are questions that just don't matter at all. When you actually get into doing things, they're kind of, you'll, you'll realize this doesn't actually mean anything or do anything. The second is questions that are going to get answered very quickly by actually doing something because you'll be like, Oh, how does this work? And then because you're doing it, you'll have to automatically figure it out. And you won't have time to question it. You'll have already figured out the problem and the solution to it. And then the third category of questions are those that you think you understand, but it's kind of like uh, the Dunning-Kruger effect, where the less you know, the more you think you know, and then you start to realize that you don't know anything. And then you actually get some mastery, but those are the questions that you really only understand 10% of. And then you'll be able to actually find the correct questions. And then you'll be able to figure out the right questions to ask to get the answers that you actually need to move forward. That's a really good one that I think that's one that I think is good. That's awesome. Like for, for me, mm -hmm. one of the things you talk about was like inertia, you know, having yes. inertia. So you keep moving. And then once you start moving, it's harder to stop. So that really resonated yeah. well with me. And also about the questions, because I also like to ask a lot of questions, but yeah. sometimes you don't need to answer all of them and you could already start doing the things. Thanks, Anthony, for your time today. For all our audience, if you're interested, go follow Anthony on his channel, and that's Anthony Bodanza with B-O-D-A-N-Z-A, and he has another channel, The Bodanzas. It's going to be in the description below that you can see all his travels and learn real practical tips of how to make money on Amazon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We hope you find Anthony's business advice and life philosophy refreshing and helpful. Just as he said, anything over 30 to 40 listings, you should get a repricer because you're probably missing out on some profits. But the best AI repricer be your time saver and your life changer. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel for more Amazon knowledge and inspirational interviews from Amazon top sellers. We're Be Cool. We keep innovating to help you stay cool with your Amazon business. Thank you for listening. 
If you'd like to stay connected with our weekly new episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, follow us on Spotify, or any other streaming platform you prefer. Let's continue our journey to become the next Amazon top seller.